you can evolve, you can grow, you can become a better version of yourself. Hey everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 223 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride towards your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I cannot wait for you to listen to my chat with Taylor Townsend. She's a pro tennis player. She's a new mom. And I would argue that she is an advocate for body acceptance. Taylor and I have a really, really beautiful conversation about what that has looked like for her, not just since having her son, Aiden, but in her time as a professional tennis player. She gets really open and honest about the challenges that she's had with her body, sharing stories about her time early in the sport when the USTA recommended she take some time to work on her fitness. I wish that I was making this up. At the time, she was the number one ranked junior tennis player in the world. I know, I know. We talk all about that. She gives us some insight as to what it felt like to stand up for herself. And then we bring it to the now. We talk about her comeback. And yes, it is a comeback because Taylor is playing so, so well now, just 18 months after having her baby Aiden. She was recently in the doubles final at the US Open, which I had the good fortune of being there for. Taylor talks about how that felt. She also gets very candid about where she hopes to go in the future. And I adore the dialogue we had about her choice to wear a bomb, bomb is an understatement, cat suit <laughs> at the open, both in honor of Serena as she played in what could be her last ever match and to honor herself and the progress that she's made, not just, again, since having the baby, but in accepting her body and embracing all that it has to offer her strength and so much more. Really, really love this combo. So happy to bring it to you. A huge thank you to Taylor for making the time. If you're not following along with Hurdle on social media yet, please go on over and do so. It's over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that... Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Taylor Townsend. She is a pro tennis player. How are you doing today, Taylor? I'm amazing. How are you? I feel like giddy <laughs> at the opportunity to talk to you because I feel like I was just, I hate using the word fangirling, but it, I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw. I was just so hyped to see you play in the open. I'm still on a high from that. How are you feeling after that? Well, to be honest, like I'm back to reality, like you know, <laughs> I'm off of the cloud and like 
you know, it's crazy because like, you know, you make a final of a Grand Slam, you're playing in the final of the US Open, you know, last day, unbelievable atmosphere, environment, feelings, you know, I've kind of enjoyed myself for a few days in New York, came back home, then my dad's like, hey, we need help with the yard sale. And hey, I need to do this. And oh, got to get the baby. And oh, I need to unpack. <laughs> oh, back to practice and fitness and all of the regular normal things. So definitely when I got back home, it was a bit of welcome back to reality. But I definitely did take a couple of days like after and just really enjoyed myself in New York. And it was definitely kind of a life-changing experience. Yeah. Making it to that final. What an amazing accomplishment. Is that really where you thought you'd be? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really set high goals for myself. Like when I started this whole process, like a, about a year ago, year and a half ago, and um, I really did set high markers, but to be in the finals of a grand slam, like it doesn't matter for me if it's singles or doubles, like it's still such an amazing accomplishment because like, you know, I played a lot of people who have been playing while I've been out. So for me to be able to come back and like play at a very high level and compete, like it's just amazing. So, but I think it, you know, I did it before, like when I was pregnant with Aiden, I was three months pregnant with him and I made the semifinals of the 2020 US Open. So that kind of showed like, okay, I can do it. But then to be able to go one step further and like get to the finals, um, you know, it means it, it means a lot to me, but it also kind of cemented like, okay, like you can do this. Like you belong in this place. And doubles always helps with my singles game. So I know that it's just a matter of time before, you know, things start to to merge and align. Things start to merge and align. What an impressive story though, truly. The pregnant in the semis, then post baby in the finals. I mean, when you hear that, does it even feel real? (laughs) Well, for me, it does because I just know all the shit that I went through to go like to get to that point. And so it's like, it's amazing. But like, I truly believe that I deserve to be there because I worked my ass off to get back to playing, to be able to just walk out on the court and to compete and trust my body again. Like I worked so hard to get back to this place. So it's just like, honestly, I'm not going to say it's surprising, but I just know, and I'm very confident in like all of the work that I put in to get to this place. And like, I could personally say for myself, like I've never had to do anything this hard. So it's given me a ton of strength and confidence, like within myself, because I've never been tested or challenged in this way, like in, in, playing professional tennis or you know even though I've had adversity in other ways but being pregnant having a child like having major surgery like having a c-section and then having to come back like it's just it's something that I've never had to do like before I struggled with losing a little 20 pounds and I had to you know and I had to lose like 80 so and went beyond that so like you know it just really put a lot of things in perspective for me Let's bring it back to the 20 pounds. Let's bring it back to, as you mentioned, the adversity. You're not new to this game. You've been in it for a minute, but you have been facing challenges within tennis for some time. So why don't we start by talking about first getting in to tennis as a young woman from the south side of Chicago who didn't see a lot of people that looked like her at the court. Talk to me about what that was like for you starting out. 
the amazing thing was like when I was growing up, like I had my older sister, she's two years older than me. And so she started playing and I used to just crash her lessons and I would be really mad because like I wasn't playing, but like she was having a lesson, but I wasn't. So then I would like go in the court and like throw balls and try to make her trip or like just, just distract her. Cause I was like, I wanted to be out there. And so I was like, if she's doing it, I can do it, you know? So, I mean, it was great. Like I had that person and then we grew up playing together so obviously the Williams sisters were always two people that we looked up to and tried to emulate because we were both playing at a high level throughout the juniors and like we're kind of tracking with each other um unfortunately like my sister got had a really really bad knee injury um later in her career and then she took the college route which was amazing because you know she tore all the ligaments in her knee and had nerve damage in her foot and still rehabbed, came back and was able to get a scholarship to school. And just her story is amazing just for her, like in that, in alone, it just gives me so much, you know, inspiration when I'm down or I'm not feeling, you know, confident. I can talk to her about that. But um, yeah, just being young, like I had a lot of people, even from four years old, like telling my coaches at the time, like, oh, she's too fat. Like, she's not going to make it, you know, just kind of like putting labels on me because I wasn't like the normal. I did, wasn't, I didn't play like everyone else. Like I didn't look like everyone else. Like I didn't have that build or anything like that. And, you know, so I remember that like people telling me, oh yeah, you know, she's not, she's not going to like, she, she'll be good, but like not good enough to go pro and like just putting those labels on me. So um, it's amazing that like people can say that even like about a four-year-old or five-year-old, which is like, insane especially for me being a parent like how could that even be possible and honestly just thinking about it like makes my stomach boil and if that ever happened like I'd probably fight if that was like my kid (laughs) just because like I just I went through it so I just wouldn't tolerate that in any way shape or form honestly it wasn't so much about like who was around but I think seeing like Venus and Serena playing like really made me feel as though it's possible and just to kind of tie that in which is one of the reasons why like I put on my Instagram when I found out that Serena was retiring and I put up kind of like an appreciation post, I was just like, you know, you struggled. So we didn't have to. And, you know, those are the moments that I think about where I saw them on TV and like going through adversity, people not accepting them, people, you know, talking bad about them and no one's excited about Venus and Serena being out on the court. It was more of the opposite, like hoping for the worst. And then to think of where we are now, like seeing Coco, myself, Madison Keys, Sloan, like, So, and a lot of up and coming like junior players, like for them to be, have the crowd support and the fan support and people truly excited to get their autograph and take a picture, like just look at how much things have changed over the years. So, you know, the representation of just being able to see it done once is so powerful. And um, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. And it's so, it's so great to hear that from a young age, like you had this positive role model within your sister. And then as the both of you came up, then you had other individuals to look toward. But when we go back to that discussion of perhaps the parents around the court criticizing your abilities, do you think that was because purely of your weight? Or do you also feel like the color of your skin had something to do with it? most of the people who are judging me at the time looked like me, which is crazy. (laughs) I think it was more so tennis is a very like visual sport. Aesthetics are a lot. Aesthetic mean a lot. So we've seen that when it comes to endorsements, we've seen that when it comes to, you know, a lot of different things, both on and off court, who people support, who they're into, you know, 
all of that stuff. So it's very much a visually driven sport. So, you know, it might not have anything to do with my weight. I mean, I'm sure like at that age, like, Hey, how much do you weigh? Like people aren't doing that. I didn't even know how much I weighed, but it was just about (laughs) how I looked and um, that I didn't have the typical look of everybody else. And I haven't had the typical look and I don't have the typical look. And, you know, even still like my post baby body, like it's not like everyone else's, but it's way better than what it was before, which was the goal that I set for myself. And I'm like, so comfortable in my skin. And of course I have my insecure moments because of what I've gone through within this tennis world. But like, you know, it was a big kind of jump for me to like wear the cat suit at the open because I was like, I'm making a statement and I'm going to do this for Serena. But also like, I feel like I just want to show all of the work that I've done and like that I feel good in like my skin and who I am. So um, yeah, like I just think it was more so of what people saw and immediately they put the labels on that. And um, I think that that's an, I think it's ignorance in a way because, you know, you're not giving things a chance to flourish or really giving a person the the chance or the benefit of the doubt. It's really like you putting them in this box from just what you see maybe in a few seconds or a few minutes. So um, honestly, like I'm glad that it happened because it's made me who I am and it's kind of put that fuel in my fire to, to continue to like prove people wrong. And um, I've done that many times, but, and now I'm at the place where I'm like proving things to myself, like, what can I do and how can I show me, how can I show up for me? Like all the time, all the time, a couple of things to double click on the first thing. Do you remember earlier on, maybe not at four or five, but as you were coming into your teenage years, how some of those criticisms made you feel? Oh, for sure. Like, I used to take things like so personally because like I just tried so hard for people to love me and like me. And, you know, I just always have been cognizant of like how I treated people and what I said and what I did and how I acted. So it was just like, I couldn't, like, I never gave anyone a reason to talk bad. And I'm like, these people don't even know me. Like you've never met me. Like, how can you say that? So I used to really take things very personally, especially when I was younger and like social media just started kind of like coming out, you know? And so I, for several times, I remember taking like long breaks from social media just to be able to like breathe and not have to worry about like, if I lost getting bombarded with those messages or people like spamming all of my pictures and like putting really disgusting comments under my stuff. Yeah. I remember like, it made me feel terrible. And honestly, like I took it personally because I was just like, I'm not out here tanking. Like I'm trying, you know, and, and it, it always sucked because anytime that I lost, it wasn't because I was having a bad day or I played bad or my opponent played really well. Like every time that I lost, it was always tied to like some way, shape or form, my body image and my fitness and conditioning. And that was always a topic of discussion, which became very annoying after a while. So yeah, um, yeah like it was just, it, was a tough time it still happens but like I just don't care anymore (laughs) and I've learned how to deal with it and I've learned like I'm kind of like a birds have like that oil where the water just slides off like I have that where it just like it literally just rolls off and I just have like an incredibly efficient system of like block report block report (laughs) so I'm I'm, I'm really good at that (laughs) you're like this is a skill I have also improved since my young years as I started playing tennis you know it's really hard 
to do that, right? It's really hard to get to a place where I won't even say that you feel so confident in your skin, not that you don't, but to get to a place where you truly can just let it go because it doesn't matter how quote unquote good you are at doing that. That doesn't mean that there aren't still going to be moments where you see something that comes up and it doesn't feel good. Yeah. I mean, the key is just, like you said, letting it go. And like, I think that's the essence of life, but also the sport that we play. Tennis is a game where you like win and lose literally like you win points and lose points. I mean, imagine like Rafa or Alcaraz where they're playing five hour matches or like three and a half hour matches and you're winning and losing points off and on, off and on for the duration of like three and a half hours. Like you have to let shit go. If you don't, it's going to be fast. It's going to be a quick match, shake hands and you're out of there. So like, you know, it's, it's a skill that you have to, learn and you have to learn how to apply it in different aspects and areas and like how long does it take for you to let things go you know and I think that that's a skill that it takes honing in on it takes attention because it's not easy and it forces you to have to kind of like face those ugly issues or those feelings that you might not want to address you just it's easy to kind of put it to the side but you don't know how it's affecting you or, you know, how things are lingering around because you didn't let it go. So I just think that that's so symbolic of just, you know, life and the things that we go through on a daily basis, but also tennis just in general, because it's like a total 100, 99.99% mental game. You speaking about it definitely impacting you, especially when you were younger, 2012, number one ranked junior tennis player in the world. How does someone at that age learn to let shit go? (laughs) Well, I, I remember like crying because I just got off the phone with the person who at the time was like, um head of women's tennis and they're saying hey taylor you know you need to come back and train for 10 to 12 weeks no tournaments and i was like well wait like i'm gonna miss the us open and they're like yeah and i was like what like i was just so excited about getting a wild card because i was like for sure like why like why wouldn't i and so i remember like back in my hotel room i'll never forget i was in vancouver canada And I was in my room just crying and I was just like, what the heck? And then as things progressed and I realized, oh, like I'm really not going, like they were serious, like, okay, everyone's gone. And I'm only, I'm the only one here down in Boca, like, oh, this is really happening. And, um, you know, I took it upon myself and, you know, several people really helped me to be able to get me there. And, um, I ended up making it to the round of 16 or quarters and singles, won the doubles that year. And I remember saying to myself, okay, how do I want to handle this? Like I can either give them the power or I can take the power, but it's all in how I deliver this message. And so I was just like, you know, I just tried to take control of the situation and not allow the situation and what happened and the person, the people involved to have any power at all. So I just totally just redirected it to like, I'm here, I'm playing. It doesn't matter what's happening. I'm here. 
look you know what I mean like you want you didn't want me to be here but I'm here um and then just try to turn every negative thing into a positive like yeah you know they didn't want me to come but I'm here you know I I didn't get a wild card but I'm I'm I still have a junior ranking I'm number one so I'm here you know that didn't stop me from being able to get into the tournament so um I remember just trying to really take control of like the narrative and being able to just redirect people to a more positive place because like I one of the big things that I can't stand is like blaming so I was like I'm not going to give them the power to be able to say that this is the reason why things derailed or I didn't do whatever people thought was I was going to do or my career didn't happen the way people thought it was going to happen and and it'd be because of this soul thing like no I'm not doing that so yeah like it was a it was a very like mature decision that I made at the time I didn't realize that it was that but honestly just didn't want to give like that organization the people within the organization or the lost opportunity any power that it was going to stop me from doing what I wanted or needed to do to continue to move forward yeah wow so going to that tournament anyway without the support from the association it felt in a way something that you were really proud to do you were happy to step into your power but what happened after that well it was it was a little bit rocky um it was definitely weird because I was down in Florida by myself so then like after you know we get back and I'm just like Ooh, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, and you're around adults and business people and everything. And like, obviously a lot of people had very bad tastes in their mouth. So, you know, I just, I tried to navigate it the best way that I could. But like I said, I just knew that I could control what I could control. And I wasn't going to like, I just wasn't going to, I'm just wasn't going to allow it to stop me. So I'm just like, yeah. you know what, whatever is thrown at me, which I didn't know what was going to happen at the time whatever is thrown at me, like, I'm just going to keep like putting one foot in front of the other. Like, I'm going to keep my head down and I'm just going to keep working. And like, it wasn't easy, but in my path, once I turned pro, because after that year in 2012 was, you know, 2013 was my first year pro. And I would easily say the first four to five years of my pro career, like, weren't anything like my peers or the people that I was playing against, like in the juniors, like it wasn't typical in any way, shape or form. But again, like I wouldn't change it because it made me who I am. And it taught me a lot of like learning lessons about many things, you know, scheduling, coaching, you know, trust, um, self-belief, where to go, team members, people, your circle, how important your circle is and the people that you put around you, like, um, who you let in your ear when it comes to your game, mental, you know, I, I experienced like so many things and it wasn't that some of it was okay. Some of it was good. A lot of it wasn't so good, but it was, it taught me how to navigate those different areas. And like, it was just, I would just call it growing pains, but like now being an adult, like I'm able to kind of decipher those things a lot better now and not make those same mistakes. And I'm very confident that I could, you know, guide someone else in that way. And it's also like kind of a full circle because those lessons that I learned, it just doesn't apply for tennis or like my career. Like these are life lessons. So it's made me such a more well-rounded individual. So like, I know that I can pass these lessons along to my son. And I know that like, 
I can tell him a story and associate it with a feeling that I felt before. So then I can say, Hey, like, I know what that feels like. So I can either relate or help guide him to where it's like, okay, you don't have to make that mistake. Cause I did. So like I said, I wouldn't really change it for anything because it's, it's been kind of a blessing in disguise. I cannot even imagine how it must have been told by the USTA that you're quote unquote, not fit to play. I use Mm. that like loosely here, still wanting so badly to work so hard to be good based on their standards. Like that's so frustrating to me for you. Yeah. And it was frustrating too, because I was just like, I just, at some point I was just like, I don't even understand like what else I could do. (laughs) And I hit that wall several times. It's just like, I literally don't know. Like there's nobody here who's playing in the juniors that did what I did that has done what I've done. Like I'm basically topping myself and you're still not saying that it's good enough. And so it's just like constantly searching for that, like approval and acceptance. And like, like you said, just continuing to work and work and work. And I'm like, well, what else? Like it just, you ask that question and you ask that question of yourself. I wasn't brave enough to ask that question to them, but you know, I was asking it through like my work ethic. Like, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? But eventually, you know, it just becomes too much. But yeah, it, it was incredibly frustrating, but a lot of a is. lot of time has passed since like this particular incident that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Do you feel as though you've been able to have progressive conversations within the sport specifically that will hopefully you mentioned a lot of the big names in the arena right now, so many strong, powerful other women of color, do you feel as though the conversation is a lot more, let's say, compassionate and progressive? Or do you think that we're still kind of dealing with some of the same issues that you were dealing with 10 years ago? I don't think we're dealing with the same issues. It could be the same issues, just different circumstances. But I personally wouldn't say that we've that there have has been more progressive conversations around like body I'm not going to say body positivity, but body image and how it affects you because there was nobody else. None of my counterparts were dealing with that. Mm. Like there were no other people, like even to this day, like Coco was this tall, lanky, like skinny, really long legs, really long arms. Like she's 13, but like that was her. Like it's the total opposite spectrum of like what I was dealing with. So it was more so like, She's got to fill out. She's got to get more muscle. She's got to get stronger. She's got to put on weight. Da, 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 da. And it's like, for me, it's at 15, it's, oh, you got to lose weight. You got to do this. And, you know, but to whose standard, you know what I'm right. saying? So yeah. um, I think that there's been more of an acceptance that there are people who look differently, but I think that there's still this stigma of like, it's still the visual and aste- like the visual aesthetic like matters you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't, I personally don't believe that like in terms, I'm not going to say, I don't want to call it body positivity because there have been a lot more conversations around body positivity and like being comfortable in your own skin. But I don't think that really people have like dove into like this part of it, of like this side of the spectrum. I feel as though it's more body acceptance than body positivity. Yeah. But if you've never gone through that or you haven't had people like criticize your body, like, you know, I don't feel like you can really, I I feel like everyone has that, like, especially as women, like our bodies change constantly. Right. So there's a kind of a relating factor in that way. 
I mean, you can literally fluctuate 10 pounds, you know, from your cycle to not to like, you know, things change constantly. Um, but like, in terms of it t- being tied directly to your performance and like your self image, your performance, your results, your opportunity, like how often has that really happened? I don't think that's happened like a lot. And I have, I personally can just speak for myself. I haven't had those conversations with like other people, but I know that I've had conversations where it's like, we know your story and we didn't do certain things because of what you went through. So Mm. even though like, we're not necessarily having those conversations, my story and my experiences have been able to help in some way, shape or form for other people to like avoid those pitfalls. So I feel as though like it's, it's a win, you know, like, even though I had to go through it, like, it allowed other people to navigate better so that they didn't have to go through certain things or like, were able to avoid certain pitfalls. So like, I think that's good. And then just obviously the conversation around like the mental health side as well, I think that's kind of taken more of a front seat. um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, mental health kind of encompasses that whole, you know, body image, body awareness, body, like body acceptance, you know, I think mental health kind of, it's like a umbrella of those things, because it's like, you know, how you're feeling about yourself, how you're in, how is that tied to your game? How is it tied to, you know, all these different things. So I think mental health has kind of like umbrella that and, and that is being talked about more. And I think that a lot of people and different players have specific and unique stories of mental health and as we continue to talk about it we will see and be able to connect with each other more maybe not the same exact experiences but in terms of how it made us feel and how it made us move navigate how it changed us how it didn't how did it empower us how did it break us down like I feel like once we get to the knitting nitty-gritty of like those different topics I feel like there are some things that will overlap. So I just think that we have to continue to talk about it and people have to be willing to like be vulnerable and, and make, have those discussions, you know? Yeah. Going back to what you said before about playing after having your baby, like, and knowing that it wasn't, the criticism was still going to be based like on your body, depending on how your performance went. I think about that so often as someone who, let's say over the last year, I've maybe gained something like 10 or 15 pounds. And I love running. I feel so good when I'm running. I'm gearing up for a marathon and it'll be my 11th marathon. And I still think about or worry a little bit thinking about what the result will be and what someone's feedback on that result will be. And if it will be based on my body, I am so in a great place knowing that whatever the outcome of my next marathon is, I am going into it excited to run for the feeling of loving running. Like that is literally my only MO going out there. But I do wonder and think about in the back of my head, like who's going to have something to say about this, but it's the work that we do. And it's the way that we visualize those conversations. And it's how we choose to move forward and react to our feelings that is within our own control. It goes back to what you were saying. Like I now know what I can do to react or what is not worth reacting to at all. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Like, I, I don't want to say congratulations, but like, 
congratulations for like getting to that place because it's not easy like I think about that all the time like is this extra five pounds gonna make you know is it gonna make me slower like is it like it just constantly like a thing that unfortunately like has been seared into my brain and I have to kind of keep it in perspective and I have to like I have to check myself a lot of the times because like you said it's a mental and emotional baggage that we carry that we kind of put on ourselves and that we decide to continue to carry along even though it's not you know even though you only need a carry on you might not even need that you might you might just you might just need a purse I was literally just gonna say like even though you chose to check your bag on this flight somehow you're still bringing along a carry on for shits and giggles carry on (laughs) backpack purse personal item like the whole you know the whole thing like every piece of luggage that you're able to bring on the flight like you bring it so like sometimes we have to have those hard conversations with ourselves and just be like stop you know like whatever that thing is that you kind of have to shake yourself out of it but sometimes you know you don't get to that place and then you get into whatever the thing is that you're doing and it's affecting you and you have to either deal with it in that moment or you deal with it you know after but you have to really be honest with yourself of like mentally where was I like was I 100% here or were there other anchors that I was like that I had that were making me sink to the bottom so like Mm. it's uncomfortable um but especially like for me like I wouldn't say uncomfortable it's more frustrating for me because I'm like why do I still think like this like what are you doing you know I'm just like you literally are just have knocked out the park. Like every fitness test that I've done in the past, like eat the weight, all that stuff. Like you weigh less, your body fat's less, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. Like you're much more fit, you're much more in shape. But like, I asked myself, okay, what is it going to take for me to get rid of, like to, to really stop this? And so sometimes mm. it's frustrating because it's just like, why? Like, my God, you know, it gets old. Like really, yeah. you know, and it still comes up. So, but I think, like you said, being able to let it go. And and I think the mental power is being aware that the thing is happening, but then being able to like, how long does it last? Right. And I think that that's what I'm getting better at, like accepting that, okay, when it comes or when I'm having these feelings, like that's fine, but I'm not going to let it linger on and on and on. Like, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm dealing with it and I'm moving on and, and just let it go. And just, and let's, let's, keep going so it is a superpower but I think that it's power you know that you have to be able to kind of like control the length of time that we let those things like bother us and and affect us mentally that could potentially affect our performance with whatever we're doing whether it's work things physical you know tennis whatever sport or just being able to mentally be 100% there with whatever you're doing if even if it's corporate thing like this this applies to all facets of life Right. So after, let's bring it back a little bit, you went through this whole thing situation. I mean, I would almost call it like on the national stage. You spoke out about how it ultimately took a toll on your mental health and you left the association. Mm -hmm. How was that for you? Well, it's crazy because I didn't leave like on my own. Like I was kind of forced to and was then shoveled into another situation that wasn't great. <laughs> but that's a whole like another thing. Honestly, I'll I'll be real with you, like I was really scared. Because being down in Florida where I was there for three and a half years, so much experienced so many things um 
accomplish so many things, like accomplish things that I had never accomplished before. Then realizing and pulling back and saying, oh, like I'm in this place and I have fitness, nutrition, coaching, you know, mental, like I have physio, you know, anything, body work, recovery. Like I have all of these things taken care of in this one place. And now I have to go and like allocate people for each individual thing that I've had kind of like umbrella over the last three and a half years and within the transition of like my pro career. So then I, as I was pro and I was getting those things. So then now like, okay, I'm going to have to find these people fund this stuff to be able, because I know that this is an investment. I need this for me to be able to perform my best. So that was really difficult, but I was, I was really scared because I just didn't know where things were going to end up. I didn't know where things were going to end up. I didn't know where I was going to end up. If the situation that I was going in was going to be better. Like I, I just didn't know um, because, you know, I was kind of tied, not necessarily tied to the association, but felt kind of like very grateful and somewhat indebted because I was afforded opportunities that I wasn't and wouldn't have been able to have if I was at home or, in, you know, like being able to go to Australia and go to Paris. And even though my ranking was there, like if I was home, I wouldn't have been able to go to those tournaments. Like my parents couldn't afford that, you know? So just like, and I think in a way, yes, indebted, like as a teenager feeling like, you know, you kind of owed them something. Um, so I, it was scary, um, but I knew that it was necessary. And like, you know, I kind of left with the understanding that, you know, things aren't going to be the same, but excited about being away and kind of separated from that and kind of creating my own identity outside of being tied to that association and as tied to that story. Like I was kind of excited to just kind of create my own new, like, who am I, you know, and just being able to shape that and, and really show kind of like the quote unquote bounce back. Like, yes, this happened, but I'm leaving this and I'm moving on and this is who I am now. Um, so it was, it was scary, but like, it was exciting at the same time. So refresh us with a dateline on like when all of this is taking place. So I left post us open of 2013 so yeah like so probably september time of 2013 was when i left uh actually like left usd okay september 2013 and so you're mm -hmm. saying that you felt like you had this opportunity to bounce back for you was the bounce back what you envisioned the no. head shake <laughs> <laughs> no but honestly like looking back on you know where i was like so many great things came out of that. Like, you know, I won my first pro tournament, um, you know, made the third round of the French Open. Like, so it's not, it wasn't all bad. Like it, it definitely, it was great. Like it was really good. You know, had my first break inside of the top 100. So I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that it was bad. It was just a lot of drama. <laughs> so it was just a lot of drama. Um, but like in the interim of that, like I met my best friend you know, really created some amazing relationships off court. And so I started to kind of become like, you know, more of an adult started to like, got my first credit card, you know, open up my own, but you know, just started to create more independence for myself and like kind of trying to step into that role of like, being more of an adult and having control of my own things. So yeah, like it was, it was the bounce back was definitely interesting. But I think that like, it proved to me that I didn't need to be there or be directly tied to the association to 
to make it like I was good on my own you know and like all the fears that I had of like losing out or feeling like I wasn't going to get the same opportunity like it was null and void so I think it showed me that like no matter where I am like just let your racket talk and everything else will take care of itself Everything else will take care of itself. So let's fast forward a little bit now. A relatively still new mom. How long does someone say that? Like, how long are you a new mom for? I have no idea, honestly, because I was just like, (laughs) people ask me and I'm like, how old is he? I was like, 18 months. And I used to talk about people so bad. I'm like, why don't you just say a year and a half? And now look (laughs) at me like I'm doing the same thing. (laughs) I I have no idea. I think it feels new every day because it's just new shit that comes up every single day. So it's just like literally it's a new day every day. All right. Well, you had your son Aiden in April 2021 and you are now back on the scene. Before we talk about this whole different kind of comeback, so to speak. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like for you when you found out you're pregnant. You said that you played, what was it, at three weeks or three months? Well, I was playing the whole time because I was actually, I found out I was pregnant when I was in the middle of my World Team Tennis season in 2020. So we were playing and I was just like, oh my God, I feel terrible. Like something's not right. So I was just like, oh, (laughs) I told my friend, I was like, can you bring a pregnancy test for me just to make sure that like, I'm just going to rule it out. Like, I was like, there's no way. And so, yeah, I was in the middle of playing World Team Tennis. I found out I was pregnant, literally like just started bawling, crying, like, oh my God, like, this is my biggest fear ever. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I was just so, I was just so terrified. And then I had again, had to reflect and say, okay, why is this bad? And then I was like, well, my tennis, my tennis, my tennis. And so everything kept pointing towards tennis, tennis, tennis. But then when I looked and I pulled back, I was like, well, what else? Like, what about you? That won't affect me like negatively, like as a person, it would actually make me grow. Well, will it affect me, you know, financially? Hell yeah what are you going to do? You know, like, so it was, you know, having to have those like very real conversations with myself and with my partner. And I was just like, this is like, this is real. Um, so first it was like devastation, my world's ending. And then it was acceptance. Okay. This is happening. And then I became excited because I was just like, honestly, truly in that moment when I was like, all right, I'm, it is what it is. I'm going with this. I felt so light. Like, I just felt like all of the pressure that I put on myself to perform and compete, not compete because I'm always a competitor. Like, I'm always going to be like foaming at the mouth for competition. Like, even when I was out and age, I'm breastfeeding AJ, like at 3 a.m. and I'm watching tennis, I was like salivating to, to wanting, like, I wanted to play so bad. Like, I'm just, I'm a natural competitor. But it allowed me to let myself just be. And I just felt so free. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, why can't I be like this all the time? (laughs) Like, it was just so freeing because I just stopped putting those handcuffs on myself. And I just allowed myself to just be, to just play. And I truly accepted like, 
whatever happens happens because I know that I'm at I'm not gonna say a disadvantage but like I'm severely have a handicap in comparison to like my competition so I was just like truly like having a good time out on the court and like I remember because the 2020 U.S. Open um I went there I was nine weeks pregnant I left and I was 12 and because it was a three week because Cincinnati the Western Southern Open they had at the U.S. Open site that year because they wanted to keep everyone in the bubble so played that and then played U.S. Open singles and doubles and we made it to the semis that year and I remember like telling Asia like I brought her to my room and I was like dude I'm pregnant she was like she we both were like started crying and she was like are you serious and I was like I know she was like I was like I was struggling I didn't know if I should tell you but I was like I I owed it to you to tell you because like I'm not gonna be like I'm gonna need help you know like I get tired you know like things just happen that you don't even know like you every day is a different day literally so you know and it was just so amazing so when we were playing together we just had such like this clear understanding and like just it was so fun it just felt I think the word that can use just like fluid like I was just just playing so it was amazing and I just felt like so proud of myself and I literally said I was like I'm good with leaving like this like I'm good with stepping away here you know yeah like yeah and I was I was just so at peace I was so content like did what I had to do left and I was like I'll be back. I'm not leaving for good, but like, I'll be back. But like, I was just so at peace with like the the place and the space that I was like stepping away from the game. Did you know for certain when you went to have your baby that you would definitely come back to tennis? I mean, I had it on paper and I had it in my notebooks and I had conversations about it, but I mean, there's no guarantee. And like, I mean, I had a whole natural, holistic water birth, birth plan that I had, like, it was going to be so amazing and like mother (laughs) earthish. And like, I had a, a great pregnancy, like no issues, no complications. I was playing literally the day, two days before I had AJ, like I was out on the court playing points with my sister, like playing and so all of a sudden then I just had like this bleeding and I went and then they're like no you have to have a c-section and like that was like a total shock for me because that was like worst case scenario for me I've never thank thank goodness like I've never had any surgeries I've never had any major injuries like take me away from the game for a long time so it was really scary because I'm like that's major surgery like I didn't know how I was going to recover I didn't know how long it was going to take for me to even be able to not like just get back to normal to be able to do like normal things um and I think that was like the scariest part because it just kind of threw a monkey wrench in like what we were doing what I had planned but I think it was a blessing in disguise because it uh, it forced me to have to relax and like sit down and like really enjoy and bask in like the new like being a new mother because like I literally physically like couldn't do things for myself like I needed help with everything so, like, I was literally tied to, like, the little rocking chair. Like, I need to go to the bathroom. I needed help. And so it was it was hard for me mentally. But I think it was a blessing in disguise because it made me appreciate, like, I was, like, literally, I was running 
on Sunday. I was like, just remembering, I'm like, dude, you couldn't even walk a year and a half ago. Yeah. Like you couldn't even go up the steps or like, I couldn't even walk to like the end of the block in my neighborhood. Like, so it just kind of made me like, cause I started judging myself a little bit. And then it like that thought made me stop because I'm like, you couldn't do this a year ago. You're good. It's that perspective. Yeah. It's taking the moment to be grateful for the journey and where you've come from and all that you're capable of. And just mm-hmm. because like tomorrow, what I do may not be quote unquote as good as something I did two weeks ago, a year ago, two years ago. The bigger question is how does doing that thing make you feel? How does doing that thing make you feel and move from there? Do what feels good. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't even know what feels good to them. Like, what do you really want? What do you really want? What do you really want? So you are forced to be a little bit down and out after having your C-section major surgery, as you articulated. What's it like as you get back into the game? I'm sure it had its fair share Mm -hmm. of challenges. Oh, for sure. Um, a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of, uh, the I was like, damn, my feet hurt. <laughs> like I'm, I'm heavy. Like I'm not used to moving all this weight around. Um, but it was like, it was very, like, it was very different because my journey was kind of broken up into two parts. The first part was like getting back into shape and navigating, getting back on court, but I'm still breastfeeding. And then the second part was like, while still trying to lose weight, drop weight, all that stuff. And then the the second part was like, after I stopped breastfeeding, then what was happening with my body, what changed the mental and psychological changes that I was kind of going through, like the acceptance of feeling as though I was kind of losing an attachment to my son. Like, so it was a lot of like mental and emotional kind of like highs and lows, but um, it was it was very challenging, like, because I think I messed myself up because I had expectations. And I think like, things would go really well. And then I kind of hit a wall. And like, when I would hit those walls, I would struggle a little bit because I was just like, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting off track, you know, like, I'm, you know, I gotta I have to keep on this path, like I have to keep but it was a perspective where it's like, as long as one foot's going in front of the other and you're taking it day by day, like it's progress, whether it's a leap or whether it's a very, very tiny, tiny step, it's still going in the direction that you want it to go. And that was a very hard lesson for me to like learn and accept. And I still struggle with it now. Yeah. Most recently 2022 U S open, like my expectations for myself, how I wanted to perform in my singles, versus how I actually performed. I was very disappointed in like how things went. And, you know, I had to kind of accept that like, okay, this wasn't what I wanted, but like, I'm still in the tournament. And I just tried to go out and just do the best that I can and continue to get better, like both in practice and in each match that I played, like in doubles and look what happened. So um, like we said, just keeping the perspective of like, you're good. You know, like it's fine, even though it's not what you wanted in that particular moment. It might not have been your time. It might not have been what was meant for you in that particular moment in time. But that's not to say that it's not going to happen. You know, like I, I've never been able to call myself a Grand Slam finalist 
in the 10 years that I've played on pro on tour and the year that I come back after having my son and you know all the things I've gone through like now I can say and I have a title to my name that I didn't have in any of the years prior so like you know again you're good you're moving in the right direction you're moving in the right direction I love that I love that you made a reference to the the cat suit that you wore for mm -hmm. that final uh earlier in our convo do you want to just describe it for anyone who missed the visual Oh, it was a moment. Um, no, I had, <laughs> it was um, a moment. I had, I had three. I had blue, I had orange, and I had black. So I was kind of rotating them between matches. But like blue is my favorite color, and I was just like, yeah, this is the one. But yeah, it was literally just like a one piece like bodysuit that I felt like was kind of a statement and again like a tribute to Serena. Like I told her like, hey, I'm wearing cat suit because I remember so vividly like when she wore the Puma cat suit at the U.S. Open. And I was just like, I saw it online. I was like, oh, I'm definitely getting this. So, and she was like, do it, wear it. And I was like, I'm nervous though. And she was like, no, do it. She was like, I'm nervous every time that I put on like stuff and like, whether it's like something like, you know, regular or like I'm making a big statement. She was like, I'm nervous about my outfit this year. And I was like, why? Like, you're Serena Williams. Like, why would you be nervous? And, um, I didn't know what she was wearing because she hadn't played yet, but she was like, no, do it, do it. So I was super empowered, but yeah, it was, it was just an absolute moment. And, you know, I think that I'm trying to decide if I'm going to stick with it, honestly, because I kind of was, I'm feeling it, you know? Was it freeing for you? Absolutely. Because I was super self-conscious. Like I was super, like, I was super nervous to wear it because I was just like, this is just showing everything, you know, like, and I've always used clothes as a way to hide like how I was feeling, whether it was like wearing baggy stuff or whatever, or even if I'm confident, like, you know, would wear things a little bit more tighter, but clothes were always something that I would use, like not as a statement, but as kind of like a blanket, you know? So it was like, it was kind of like a, I'm letting it all hang out with this. Like, you can't hide anything. <laughs> Literally everything shows. So uh, yeah, but it was freeing. Like I felt great. Like I remember like the first day, like when I was going to warm up and like, I took off my jacket and I was just like, here we go. And I remember like when I walked out on the court, started warming up, like, I was like, yeah, like it felt great actually. After, like when I actually, cause I was like, I'm committed to it now. And I didn't, and I, I purposely didn't pack any other clothes because I was like, I'm not going to like chicken out and like, let that old Taylor come out of like, no, you have to hide. Like, no. So I literally nah. packed no other match clothes. So this is all you got. So you're committed and you just got to roll with it. And whatever they say, they say, whatever people have. So like some people, a lot of people have things like not great to say, but I was like, I know I look good. So you guys say whatever you want. <laughs> See you later. See yeah. you later. How does it feel to you now knowing that, yes, some people had some sort of an opinion, but really you were a source of inspiration, something to be seen for so many other people that may feel some kind of way about their body. They looked at you and they thought, if she can do this, if she can put herself out there like this, then I can too. That's what I'm just trying to do. I was just like, at this point, I feel like my, one of my paths is to inspire people to know that like, you don't have to lose yourself because you had a kid or 
because you've even faced like tough situations, you can evolve, you can grow, you can you can become a better version of yourself. I just am trying to embody that the best way that I can and like show people that things aren't always glamorous. Things aren't always great. Things aren't always pretty. But that doesn't mean that you can't grow or that you have to give up a part of yourself because motherhood, you're forced to be very selfless and give, give, give. So it was so difficult for me to like create that separation to be able to say, no, I need to do this for me. Like I need to do this for me because I know that I'm going to get better and this is going to help me. So it's like, like I had to really shift my mind into thinking about Aiden to like thinking about what does what does Taylor need what do I need what do I want so yeah I'm just trying to inspire people and I was like I want to show people like you can look fire after you have a kid even though I got some rolls and some dimples and some divots and stretch marks and whatever but that's not stopping anything and like that's what I was nervous about but I was just like I I wanted people to know like this whole pooch right here like it is what it is. And, but that's not going to stop me from wearing this cat suit. And y'all can be mad about it if you want, but you're going to have to sit here. You could be mad while you sit here and watch me play on Ash. How about that? <laughs> How about that? How about that? <laughs> well, right now, someone goes to your social media, they see a pro tennis player, Aiden's mom, over 37,000 followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Ooh. I don't know. I just, I see, I think if I could say one thing, I said, I could say that I see the person that I want, that I've always wanted to be. I see the person developing that, a per, a person that is developing and that has developed that the younger me wanted to be, but didn't know how to attain uh, didn't know what needed to happen in order for me to get to that place. But I could say that like, when I look in the mirror, like I'm proud of who I am. I've pr- I'm proud of the things that I've endured and the fact that I'm here is still standing and being able to have these type of conversations with you where I'm able to share my story and empower people and just be a voice and to show that like, it like your adversity isn't, finite like it doesn't it doesn't define who you are you can go outside of those lines and be able to create your own your own path like your own lane whatever that is whether it's straight up and down or whether it's got curves like it is what it is that's your lane and like you can choose you can create that you can identify it you can label it but like you're in control of those things and like I'm just trying to embody that and I would just say like I would I'm looking at the person that I've always wanted to be but didn't know how to become and now I'm embodying and stepping into fully that person and all of the ways like becoming a well-rounded individual where this is authentically and truly who I am not who I want to be or who I'm trying to be and then you're acting as that no, yeah. this is like really who I am. And I'm really proud of that. You should be really proud of that. 
Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice looking back on that truly difficult hurdle moment when you had to step away from USTA, when you were in the thick of feeling as though your body was just everybody's problem. You have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice knowing what you know now. What <laughs> do you tell yourself? I'm going to actually, um, I'm going to steal a little bit of what Lizzo said. Said, I wish that I had a person to look up to that, that I had, that had these struggles, that had these issues that went through this. But I would tell myself that it's going to have to be you. You're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to go through these things. But you're going to be that person that people are looking at to inspire them and and wear that cape proudly because this is a superpower that you have. And, you know, a thing that you felt like was a curse has turned out to be like an ultimate blessing, not only for me, but for other people as well to inspire them and to show that it's possible. So again, that representation, but I would say, girl, it just has to be you. Just has to be you. Yo, I am lit right now. I'm like motivated, ready to take on the world, ready to go like talk to myself in the mirror. I'm so, so happy that we were able to make this happen. Truly like elated. Taylor, how do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you if they don't know of you until now? Tell us the details. Yes. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at Tay underscore Tay Townsend. Um, You know, that's where it's at. Unfortunately, my TikTok is private. Everyone complains about that. So I might make it public. You guys will know. And Taylor Town at Taylor Townsend on Twitter. And yeah, you know, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Emily, for this amazing conversation. I've had so much fun. I had so much fun too. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> 